Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. And if only you guys knew the journey this episode uh, took to get here. <laughs> um, it involved recording a whole bunch of interviews one week um, while balancing my duty of stay-at-home dad during the summer. Uh, and then it also involved a giant glass of water sitting right precariously next to my computer while watching an episode of Stranger Things. And uh, yeah, spoiler alert, you don't want to do that because when you knock over a glass of water on your computer, turns out it's not good for your computer. Um, <laughs> but somehow all the interviews that I did with uh, my fellow Deseret racers were saved and here we are. So uh, I'm so excited to share this episode, share these stories. Um, because if you guys have listened to last week or last year's podcast about Deserats, like you know how I feel about the event and you know that I'm super stoked about it and really positive and like want the best to the best of my abilities. I want to share what makes this week uh, on the Cocopelli Trail so special. Um, but at the same time, if you've listened to the show, you know my wife has called me a golden retriever, uh, <laughs> which uh, kind of means like I'm super positive about most things in life. Um, and so it's kind of like, oh, well, if Chris is positive about everything, how can you believe that this race is as good as he's describing it or as unique and as special as he's describing it? So uh, what I want to do is I want to share perspectives from other people who uh shared the event with me shared the event with me and phil uh, so you guys can kind of hear like it's not just me saying this it's the feeling um from everybody involved all the way from uh fellow racers to the race directors um and to the other people who have worked the event uh so um in this episode today you're gonna hear five different interviews uh with six different people um and a lot of them are with fellow racers, but then I think I'm going to put it right in the middle of the episode. Um, I also interviewed the race directors, Reed Delman and Kyla Claudel, um, who put on the Gemini Adventures events. And, you know, I think you can, you'll tell from their interview, like out of all the events they do, which are numerous and I've done a few of them and they're awesome and like so well organized and all that stuff. But out of all their events, this is the one that's special to them. This is the one that they're like, this is the week we look forward to every single year. Um, and they're also kind enough um, to kind of offer a deal if anyone is listening to the podcast and they want to sign up for Desert Rats Stage Race next year. Um, you can go on Ultra Sign Up and use the promo code ward w-a-r-d at checkout and you'll get 25 percent off the race which for a race that's six days through the desert um that 25 percent off is very significant and in my opinion makes uh makes it doable if you're if one of the big obstacles is you know you don't want to spend the money to get into the race then this would totally make it doable for you um so, so yeah, I hope you guys seriously consider it. Um, 
and spread the word about it. This event's awesome. Like if you know somebody who maybe this isn't for you, but you know somebody who might be interested, please, please, please tell them. Um, because like I said, I just want this to go on for years and years and years and years and years because I want to come back and do it again, uh, at some point. And it might, that point might not be next year. Uh, it might, I'm not sure yet. I haven't made plans. Um, but I want to come back at some point and do it again. And, you know, just, just experience the trail, experience the people, experience the crew, um, and the fellow runners and, and just the majestic beauty and the awesomeness of this challenge. And once again, you'll, you'll hear on some of these interviews, it's a challenge. It's don't take it lightly. Like this is a, uh, 130 ish, 140 ish mile race through the desert in June. Um, so it, it's a beast. There are parts of the trail that are very remote and, and, uh, and you're away from other people and you're away from the common comforts, which in my opinion is what makes it appealing. Uh, going out on the trail, being on the Cogapelli and just being in the middle, like you're going to hear later in the episode, we talk about the quote unquote rose garden, spoiler alert. There's no roses in it. It's just a bunch of giant boulders. Um, (laughs) but in that section, you feel it, you kind of are like, Oh my God, like, where am I? I'm in the middle of nowhere. So, um, but I think that that calls me and I hope that if you're listening, that can call you as well. Um, it's an adventure and that's why we're, we're here. We're here to experience life as an adventure. And this is a way to do it where you are able to push yourself and challenge yourself, but also have people there who care about you and want you to succeed and are going to do everything in their power to get you to the finish safely. All right, but that's enough of the intro because this is going to be a long episode. Um, let's get right into the interviews with fellow racers. And just to give tell you guys, this is going to be our last episode about Desert Rats. Um, and I thank you guys for going on this journey with us. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I know Phil, who was on the last episode and we did a pre-race podcast, like he's really enjoyed your guys' feedback and reactions to these episodes as well. Um, and if you missed those episodes, you can go back and check out... Uh, all of our episodes, iTunes and all that stuff, all the things podcast hosts say where they just name off all the places you can find podcasts. Uh, go do that. Go check them out. Uh, it was a super fun episode last time, um, recording with Phil and, uh, yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, the first interview we're going to, uh, feature here is with Kayla Howell, whose journey kind of went from, uh, a lot of adversity the first couple days of the race, um, limping into an aid station, pretty sure she was going to drop because uh, of leg pain to uh, eventually completely kicking ass and just dominating uh, the race the rest of the week. So uh, super cool. Um, she's an adventure racer, uh, complete badass. Let's get right into it. This is Kayla Howell. What led you to this to this race? So I met Reed, the race director, about a year ago when I signed up for the Desert Rat MTB, the mountain bike classic, and kind of jumped into his race 
kind of unprepared and then got to chatting with him about adventure racing, which is something that I had done. And he told me about this race this past year. I was like, you should absolutely do it. I've been looking for an adventure race that's like multi-day. I'm not fast. So anything longer distance or like the more suffering, the better. I think I just have the mental piece from doing so many long races. Yeah. Um, he and I had been actually signed up for the Silver Heels Fair Play 100 mile run in honor of my buddy Logan, who passed away this past year. Uh, I took a tumble at my last race, so I wasn't going to do it. So Reed kind of invited me in to um, to do this race instead. So instead of running 100 miles, I didn't think I'd be able to. I decided to do 135 instead. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, can, <laughs> can you describe your tumble? Like tumble isn't necessarily like, I don't know if that fully describes it for people. <laughs> like what was your injury like? Because I know it did have kind of an effect on your week a little bit. Absolutely. Um, the best way to describe it is imagine running like nine to 10 mile an hour downhill. And then just like, jumping and landing on a kneecap that's essentially <laughs> essentially what happened and that's exactly what it felt like i thought i could actually like pop back up and finish the race but i looked down and there was like skin and fat and a lot of blood so i decided to go to urgent care and get stitched up and funny enough that knee actually wasn't the problem during this past week my body compensating for kind of the atrophy in the left leg ended up causing my right knee to kind of be the problem oh whoa i had no idea i, th I just assumed it was the same knee the bad knee yeah <laughs> of course not <laughs> wow yeah so at mile like 30 i want to say it was like 37 it was right before Westwater. i kind of got in my own head and i was like i can't believe i haven't been hurt yet and i swear the next step my knee was like you're not gonna walk anymore so I, I I was having such a great day. I like was running everything and it was the 34 mile day. And so I, of course I'm like bumming. I had my own little pity party and I was crying. And of course, then everybody comes up behind me. Are you okay? Are you okay? And I just pretty much thought I was going to be out. Uh, took like four ibuprofen that Allison gave me, which I wouldn't have taken had I thought I was going to be able to like complete the race. Um, and then the amazing, um, like wilderness and endurance, like medical team that we had, Yeah, they just like ace bandaged it up. And then I, I went from literally not being able to put any weight on it to running the next 10 miles, like pretty much not stop. Wow. That like, that totally just speaks to that group of, of medical people. I mean, like Corey, Damon, Andrea, like they were <laughs> Absolutely. like, I, I think Corey, and I, I don't know who taped your leg up, but I know Corey's like a wizard when it comes to like blisters and taping things and all that stuff. Yeah, it was Corey. I was like, yeah, it feels like 10 the night. And he stand on it and he's like, hold on, I have an ace bandage. And I, of course, at this point, I'm like, okay, whatever. Whatever's going to make me comfortable for my drive to the next but like stop was my thought process Yeah, and he bandaged it up and he even said, I think he kind of surprised himself too, because he's like, yeah, we expected you to kind of like get up and just like walk out of the aid station, but you kind of like just took off running and didn't ever stop. <laughs> but they, 
they were so fantastic. And like, I, you saw that how much they were like working. It wasn't like they were just doing like medical and then just hanging the rest of the day. They did like aid stations and checking in on everybody. Like they really were the, probably the best medical team that I've ever seen at an event. I was actually really blown away at the whole process and everything that was taken care of in the week at Desert Rats. Yeah. Yeah, me too. They were fantastic. And then it's also like, it's also like, since you hang out with them at camp, you're genuinely excited to see them at aid stations. You know what I mean? Which is is so cool. (laughs) And on the other side of that too, is they were all super active. I mean, everybody either, um, oh my God, I'm having a total brain fart. They like, um, did the sweep either like Corey did it on a bike. I'm pretty sure, um, Damon did a portion of it. And then I saw Andrea out there running a couple of yeah. times. Yeah. So you knew that they like knew the human body and like they knew like the endurance portion of it too, which made me like, I felt like I just had a little bit more confidence being around them. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, They've... did you feel like you could like push it a little bit more because you knew you were in good hands? Um, I definitely did. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I don't know if you heard Corey telling stories at camp, but like the the previous like three years on the expedition day, he would always wind up taking someone to the uh, Moab emergency room, <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. I was like, these guys have like legitimately seen it all. And not only that, but they do a whole bunch of ultra races. They do the Keys 100 and uh, amongst others. And I know Andrea's done a whole bunch, like even overseas and stuff. And I'm like, they've seen everything. And just knowing that does add a little bit of confidence where it's like, if I get myself into a like sketchy situation, I at least have these people here supporting me and hopefully are going to be able to help me get out of it. Yeah. I also, um, I even told Reed, knowing and you've done an adventure race so i'm sure you can kind of like speak to this a little bit but knowing that in an adventure race if something goes wrong you kind of just have to figure it out yeah and it's kind of the same with ultra running in general but i also just felt more comfortable when we had that like ridiculous mass chaos wind and rainstorm at like one o'clock in the morning i just knew that like reed's gonna figure it out and then sure enough you hear his voice and see like the headlamps and they've like got the duct tape and they're duct taping tent poles back together and like you were out there like hammering and tent stakes so that nobody blew away yeah i don't know i think the the way that they have gotten that entire process down is just amazing that they can do all that in the desert with limited supplies and resources oh yeah and like not only that but you're you're almost like, man, they're taking care of us so good that we are having like the greatest meals of our lives while we're in the <laughs> desert. I didn't want know? to come home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, the fact we, that we're eating chicken parmesan like <laughs> with our hands at the end of the race, we're still fighting over it. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, so at that like one in the morning moment and your tent's blowing over and stuff like what was your guys' reaction in the tent? Because I just I remember you guys. I heard you guys talking, and it was cracking me up. <laughs> we were like giggling. I just woke up. and I was like, "Are we in Oz? Like, what's going on?" Because we had, I think they said like forty to sixty mile an hour winds, and nobody really like knows. But we kept having our tent because there were four of us. Our tent was blowing down to where the top of it was like legitimately like laying on like across all four of us. The tent poles had like shattered like bamboo and I was so cold 
which you don't, we didn't, nobody prepared for because it's in the middle of the desert in the middle of summer. And I was like, I just hope the tent collapses and then it's like a blanket and it keeps us warm. Like <laughs> my thought process. And then, of course, we had Andrea in our tent and she kept waking up and trying to like push it back up. And then you hear like from across camp, somebody saying like, please, can I get some help? It was just mass chaos. And then everybody's like up and running around and headlamps are shining. <laughs> and you kind of, you're also like still delirious and you're not working at a hundred percent. It was really cool to see everybody like come together when everybody wanted to sleep and everybody just wanted to like, cause we had, was that right before the big day? That was right before the mar the last day, the marathon. So like everyone's okay, beat up, exhausted, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like man, it's almost over, and we're stuck in this like windstorm. <laughs> I was just like, man, I gotta just power through this somehow. Like you're just like the wind at that point of the week, the windstorm hits and the rainstorm hits, and you're just kind of like, yep, this is really? just another thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, add it to the adventure. Well, and then, of course, as soon as it, everybody, like, gets settled back into the tents, the wind, it was completely calm. Yeah. Like, I I didn't know if it was going to be the calm before the storm or if it was like, okay, the storm's over and now we're, like, safe and sound. Yeah. I couldn't sleep after that. Did you get any sleep? No. I, and that might be why <laughs> I was just talking to Teresa and we were like, man, I'll, like, all I've done this week is eat and sleep. And I think the sleep, like... I didn't realize how terrible of sleep I got all week. You know, like I was, I bundled up smelly clothes and threw them in my sleeping bag case and used that as a pillow all week, which is not recommended by me. No. <laughs> but yeah, but man, I, I just, I love that aspect of the race. And I think when, if people just saw this, like the pictures of the event and things like that and like the results and all that stuff, um, that you see afterwards, like you miss out on this experience, you know, and, and some of the best moments are just hanging around camp with everybody and the weird discussions you have when you're all sitting there and you smell bad and you're, you're picking all up, the like, filters are gone. Yeah. You're picking up chicken <laughs> Parmesan with your hands or like putting it in a cup. I think you had a cup of chicken Parmesan and yeah, like and the sausage. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is there any moment? So I mean, kind of like, I guess I have to assume your lowest moment was going into that aid station on day two. Um, but was there any moment that like really sticks out as like, uh, uh, like high moment, like a moment you'll never kind of forget? I think the, I thought it was going to be like coming in the finish line. And of course, like once you're in the parking lot, coming into the finish line, I had some friends actually drive down from Grand Junction just to watch me finish and then they turned around and like came back home but I think on the last day because I I cut it really close I didn't want it to be too easy cut it super close of like okay I could make it under 30 hours if I ran like a four and a half marathon yeah and I thought I was gonna be super bummed out when I got to that last aid station and like really knowing like I can't run six miles in 30 minutes even if it's downhill yeah um but I had to do that, like, out and back. And I think that really changed my perspective because I, I think I got to see everybody but Lori and Ula. 
And I saw, I got to see like you and Morgan, which I never saw you guys after the beginning of the race any day. So it was really cool to like on the very last day, getting to see everyone that was out there on the out and back. And for some reason, just like seeing everybody and you're getting to see them and like, I, I don't know if it was like the worst time, but like they're most exhausted. They're, you know, everything hurts. Your feet are sore. Your legs are sore. You're starving. You're tired. Um, and everybody had like the exact same reaction. Granted, I got to see uh, Paul and Teresa before they missed the turnarounds. They were still in a good mood too. But <laughs> yeah. I think that was like the coolest part of the day. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like it's, it's just funny because you're genuinely rooting for everybody you're racing with. <laughs> it should, they should be your worst enemy, but they're really not. Right? Yeah. And like usually in a race, you you don't know everybody. But in this race, since you've been running for five previous days with everybody, you're like rooting for them and you want to see them and you want to hope they're doing okay, you know? And you're you're at aid stations asking like, like, you know, like when I, everybody paid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. When I heard your knee was, was messed up, I'm like, oh man, I hope she's okay. And then, and then when they tell you like, she's running strong now and you're like, oh, that rocks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little it, part of you is like, I hope that they don't beat my time. But honestly, I just want to see them cross the finish line. Also watching Ula and Lori come in with like 11 minutes to the cutoff on the very last day. Yes. It may have been the exhaustion too, but I was definitely tearing up and just crazy excited for them to, to come in. Oh yeah. My, I pulled those sunglasses down over my eyes and I was like bawling like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see this. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I felt like, I felt like I'd known everybody for like years. Isn't that weird? I, just I, after a week. It's hard to even describe that feeling. And you know, like even John, uh, John Graham, one of the, the eight station guys, like he mentioned it at the very beginning of the week in our racer meeting. He's like, you're all going to come out and you're all going to like, be like this weird little family. And you're like, all right, we'll see John. And then it all, it happens. Sure. <laughs> and you hear everybody's like little stories. Like we were talking with Reed of like, why did you sign up? And you get some pretty weird responses of like, you know, a lot of people wouldn't do it a second time either. Yeah. But then you complete it and you see the camaraderie and the friendships that come out of it. Like I thought you and Phil and Paul had known each other for a minimum of like five years, <laughs> yeah. but you guys had just ran like a week together and then you're doing races and like visiting each other. And I think that's super cool that that can come out of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And also, like, being out there puts you just all on this, like, even playing field of, like, society. Like, where society places you doesn't matter because you're all just trying to survive this, like, 130-some miles out in the <laughs> desert. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that this week. I think I, like, because I went down and, like, kind of, like, wrote down some of my thoughts just to, like, get them out. But I wrote down, um, you kind of, like, see each other for what? what you are or what they are not like what they do you know what i mean and yeah it's funny because it just and it's happened both years you get to like day four and you finally are like what do you do like what's your job and then they tell you and <laughs> oh, you're yeah, like you are <laughs> you're like what that I did not picture that <laughs> at all you know it's never like the same group of from like ultra running and like long distance racing it's never like 
a group of engineers or it's never a group of it's a group of like a grab bag of just you figure it out it could be somebody like does piano lessons and somebody's like a ceo yeah it really brings like all walks of life into it yeah yeah it's incredible it's so cool um what uh what do you think? What do you think of the just the Cocopelli in general? Because I know like you live in Grand Junction, so you've probably been on that first section, and you've probably been on sections here and there. But like after having completed the whole entire thing, like what what are your thoughts on it? I was blown away how beautiful kind of like the Moab section was. Yeah, because the part that we have is kind of the desert jeep track. Aside from the the beginning portions of the Loma exit it gets just like more and more pretty and it's I'm surprised I didn't fall because I always fall down <laughs> but trying to look around in that like really long stage day it was like I think that's what makes that day really not that hard like the 12 mile day seemed so much more difficult because it was just like a jeep track it seemed like it wasn't anything exciting and it was 12 miles felt like a hundred and the 42 mile day, honestly like blew by because the views are so beautiful. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's in that day is incredible. Like you want to stop and take pictures the whole entire day. <laughs> It'd be a lot easier doing it that way for sure. <laughs> yeah. There are views on that day that like, just like, I don't know what it is, but it like brings tears to my eyes. Cause I think part of it is you're looking back on everywhere else you've ran up until that point, And you're like, I can't believe I've even gone this far, you know, it's getting better. How is this getting better? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also like, I was like scrolling through some of my photos and you see like the LaSalle's in the background and then you see them like a little bit closer and then a little bit closer and then you're like in them. And then the last day is like super, super foggy. And then it ends in like, Moab. Yeah. yeah. And he's, it's like going through a bunch of different like ecosystems to get to back to the desert where we essentially started. Yeah. Well, I try to tell people that too. Like, I mean, one, I think people should definitely sign up for this, this race specifically because of the like group dynamic that you get and all the work, like all the crew and all the other racers and all that, like that is what I come away with the most. But two, like there's the view changes throughout the week like there's no day it's not like you're repeating days you know what i mean like it's not like no. day two is like day one it's each day has its own individual personality and in just the uh the like terrain you're crossing which is you know super cool i thought maybe this year we might have needed like yak tracks or some like <laughs> yeah some sort of snowshoe or something but i think we kind of got lucky there I also liked, I knew quite a few of the, the staff from Gemini Adventures, but I think spending a week with them, I got to know a lot of them like a lot better, which is really cool. Oh yeah, definitely. I, like, I want to volunteer for more races with them because I know them so well now. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's, I think that's special too. Like how often do you get to know the race director on like a person? I mean, I know ultras, you get to know the race directors a little bit more because everyone's pretty cool and you know all yeah that. but like you get to go camping with the race director all week you know what i mean and then they're checking yeah, you in don't on even you. have to set up a tent yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> they're they're checking in on you you know on the trail even and you know they get to stop by and chat and be like how you feeling you feeling good like i don't know it's just it's really cool um i definitely i i feel 
way closer to Reed and Kyla than I have any other race directors of any other event I've been a part of. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. And I think a lot of people get intimidated by like the length of this race and just looking at like the people that completed it. Anybody could do it. If you put in like a little bit of work, like completing it wouldn't like, yes, it's hard. And we didn't get like a hot, hot year. You guys have had that in the past, but I think people don't understand like the care that you're taking. Like you're under such great care. Like the aid stations, there were two that were 12 miles apart, but everything else was completely reasonable. We're like four yeah. to six miles. And I, I hope we can kind of get that across that it is like such an amazing event with the views and the people that it's so worth it to go and spend a week of your life in the desert. Oh yeah. And I never would have done that coming from like Midwest. That sounds like, absolute torture of like hanging out in the desert for a week and camping but it's i don't know it was something super special that i am extremely grateful for being able to do that for a week oh yeah i agree 100 percent. so uh well thanks kayla thank you for way sharing. better than work oh yeah a billion times better than work are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> um well thanks for coming on the show like is there any other kind of story you think we missed or anything else you want to share i don't think so this slingshot that was pretty fun i recommend somebody bringing like something to do at camp even though you're exhausted you still find time to like make s'mores and like have fun um, a lot of people, if they're like super exhausted, like to go to bed, but I think this is an event where you, you almost don't want to sleep no matter how tired you are. Yeah. And, and sometimes, sometimes you want to sleep now, but yeah, sometimes you just want to shoot shit with a slingshot in the desert. Absolutely. You guys <laughs> hit the trash can with a slingshot and totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll have to have you on the podcast again at some point because just a couple of the stories you were telling us um, about adventure racing, but then also your first 14er, just as like a little tease. Your first 14er was uh, pretty, pretty magnificent. So, <laughs> I I didn't know any better. I thought they were all like that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thanks, Kayla. All right, guys. We're going to dive right into our next interview. Uh, if you listened last week, you heard Phil and I mention this racer named Lori Miller. And... Um, I just think like her story and watching her race, like it was so unbelievably inspiring to me um, and really kind of showed me that what can be accomplished when you put your heart and soul and your effort into something. Um, and Lori did just that. And you'll hear in the interview um, the commitment um, that she put into uh finishing this race which once again is a 135 mile race through the desert and it takes uh, a lot of sacrifice and commitment especially during training um, but also during the event itself when the day gets long the day gets hard um, the course gets steep or rocky or hot or whatever facing those challenges head on and um, just keep moving forward Well, when I signed up for Desert Rats, it was really just something I have wanted to do for years just because I love 
the Canyon Country, and it just sounded like something really fun. But I found that the race was way more than that. I mean, it was um, a huge challenge personally for me. But I think just the cohesiveness of the group, maybe the support and the the incredible love you feel from everybody else um, made that race. Um, I mean, it makes me tear up right now, just how special everybody was and just, um, yeah, it just made it incredibly wonderful experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember at camp you saying that you heard about this race 15 years ago in trail runner magazine. Can you kind of like talk about that a little bit? Cause I thought that was so unique and I was like, wow, like that's such a cool story. <laughs> so I did, I, I subscribed to trail runner magazine, even though I wasn't a huge, huge runner, I wished I could be, but, um, so I, I read about this race and I had, excuse me, I was familiar with Canyonlands, but I didn't know the Copacalli trail. And so I read about this race and I thought, wow, I really want to do that. I mean, it spans the whole Copacalli trail <clears throat> and it, um, yeah, it just sounded fascinating to me and what a cool thing to do. But as the years went by, it was just, you know, health issues, just family. And and because I don't have a strong background in running and no real racing background, it just took me years and years to finally go. It's all, it was always in the back of my mind. I want to do this race. I want to do this. It wouldn't go away. <laughs> so I just finally last year decided, I better make this happen because it's really eating at me that I haven't done this race yet. And so I signed up and when I signed up and paid my money, it was like, okay, now you better really get moving. <laughs> so <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah. So how did you go about training for it then? Um, well, my first step was I thought, Oh, you have to run an ultra. I'm like, I've never done that. So I uh, read a book. <laughs> and so I did my first ultra last August. I did the Bigfoot 40. And that was really, really challenging. And then after that, I signed up with a running coach here in the Valley, Bree Graves from Valley to Peaks Endurance. And she was incredible. And, um, and I took the winter off from working. I made this my lifetime goal. I mean, I just, it was what just consumed me for like eight months. And so Bree gave me, uh, you know, things to do and I went out and did them and I just, um, yeah, it was just a goal I really, really wanted to meet was to run that race. Yeah. Well, I think that's what, I mean, that's what was so inspiring is just to see your commitment and to hear about the time off work and, and the hours you put in training for it. And I know, uh, when I was coming down that hill on day four, I was just thinking about, um, kind of like, you know, what, like everything I've done that led up to that point of like coming into that, that final day on those super long day. And I mentioned that to Teresa and she was like, yeah, I was, I was getting really emotional. Cause I was just thinking about like what everyone did to get ready for this thing and how special it is. Um, and I think seeing your commitment and especially seeing you come in like that expedition day, um, beating Phil's time from last year, I have to add. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, seeing you come in was just like, 
and thinking about that, like, wow, like look at all this hard work that's been put in and look what you can accomplish when you do put that hard work in. I think that was really the big takeaway for me and like the big like inspiration uh, when I when I look at you and I look at your race. Yeah, well, you know, and okay, we can say, you know, I am 64, <laughs> so I wasn't the young chicken. <laughs> I was, you know, older than most people. And um, yeah, it is, you know, and I think that was a real um, good thing for me to realize that, yeah, I, a lot of people, when you get to be this age, you go, well, I can't do that. And it was really a good reminder to me that we can do almost anything we put our minds to. I mean, there are some things that are wiser not to do, but, you know, we can, and it was just really fun. And I mean, I did that, you know, watching you run, you know, was amazing. You know, you're what, 32 years younger than me, but (laughs) still the, the grace with which you ran and just the speed and just the endurance. I mean, that didn't come because you just sat at the table, you know, everybody put lots of work in, to their running that race and um not just physical but mental too yeah um you have to you had to really want it um, yeah to finish it i think yeah and i think that's just like such a good lesson that i can take away into you know just regular life is if you want something really badly you can get you can get it done but you just gotta it is gonna take hard work and it is gonna take a lot of uncomfortableness (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah. during the race, did you – we'll talk about, like, the high moments in a second, but did you have any low points, like, out on the course? Because, you know, in camp, you never seemed like, you know, it was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting this done, <laughs> you know? But uh, <laughs> did you have any low points on the course? And if so, like, how did you ultimately overcome those? I, I did have some really low moments. I mean, day four, the expedition day, I um, woke up and I was sick. I My stomach was really bad and I had diarrhea. And I, was, I was, So when I started out, I was like, oh, can I do this? And I just was like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, because I just felt really, I really need a lot of um uh, calories to keep moving (laughs) and and, you know I wasn't able to really eat and um yeah I didn't feel very good but I thought it'll pass you know I kept thinking you've been really sick before and you've had to march on you can do this I mean I just really had to go it's just one foot in front of the other just keep moving and just keep looking around and see how blessed you are to be here. That's kind of what I did. I just thought, you know, this is such a privilege to be able to run that race, you know, um, that I had um, a little bit of inheritance to help me pay for the race in my training, that I had a husband who was like, yes, you need to, even though he didn't like the race, he was nervous for me. He was still, supportive of me and I just kind of remembered all the things I'm so thankful for and um every time you guys went by and just had such kind things that day you gave me a big hug on the course and I was just like I just needed that so every everything just you know um just looking around at the good things that I had um really helped pull me out of my slump so that day was a hard day for me because I never really felt good um 
And so not only was it really long, but I was really sick that I was sick that whole day. And uh, so I was very thankful <laughs> for the people that came up beside me and helped me and just just for the opportunity. And I think that helped me get out of my low slumps. Yeah. Yeah. Were you able to eat eventually? Because I know that's what Phil said hurt him the year before is that he wasn't able to to actually like finish his sandwich, I guess. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, the sandwich. That was a no-go. But I did. They <laughs> gave me a little, little tablet for um, nausea, and they gave me something twice on the course. They gave me some medicine to help settle my stomach. And so I utilized that little bit. of It didn't work for the whole time, but, you know, it would settle my stomach down. And then I would um, really try to eat when my stomach felt okay. And so I was, I was able to eat some, but I had to really pick and choose. They luckily had saltines that day. I never eat saltines, but they were really good. And lots of saltines and a lot of ginger ale. <laughs> ginger ale is the magic yeah. cure for everything I've decided. And that's My mother taught me that when I was a little girl, you're sick. I'll have a little ginger ale. So yeah. that was, so yes, it was, yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So I know at one point, yeah. um, Erica, the uh, one of our the volunteers at the race, she uh, was sweeping the course and she ended up putting in some miles with you. Um, what was that like? <laughs> it was absolutely wonderful. First, I thought I'm so used to running by myself and um, and carrying on a conversation with people because of my hearing deficit sometimes takes a lot of energy for me. And so first she said, I'll just be here. If you want to talk, you can talk. If you just want to um, run quietly, just tell me to be quiet. But, and I thought I was going to want the quiet, but um, she was absolutely a godsend. <laughs> she, she was wonderful. She just took my mind off the fact that I was struggling and I was feeling like a little bit of a failure. <laughs> you know, you kind of beat yourself up sometimes when you're having a hard time. And um she was just wonderful. She told me story. We talked about our lives and we told each other stories. And she told me really horrible jokes that she shares with her seven-year-olds on the snow course. That's and, amazing. Um, it, <laughs> yeah. She, uh, and I thought, and she near the, um, oh, kind of in the last half, I had said, this is what I want to do. I said, you know, I just want to finish, but I want like the next, I just do eight stations at a time. I said, I want to be 15 minutes. Uh, before the cutoff at the aid station. So I had time to lay down, put my feet up, eat a little bit and go. So she kind of kept, she took over checking the pace and everything. So I didn't have to worry. It's like having a pacer. She was just great. She goes, you're doing great, doing great. Oh, oh, get moving, get moving. You know, so she kind of poked me or just encouraged me. And she was remarkable because she put in a lot more miles that day than she had wanted to, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah no, she that's was that's really cool. She kind of took the like mental effort off of you and you just got to like go through the physical and emotional stuff. <laughs> she did. Yeah, she did. And it was just um, a little bit of a confidence booster for me too, because I mean, I'm not afraid to run in the dark, but you know, you're out there and you're like, Oh, you know, mm, you know, instead of, yeah, she just really helped a lot. Yeah. She was wonderful. <laughs> That's awesome. So now I got to ask like, what what high moments do you recall from it? Like, which what moments are you gonna take away and like never forget? And was just like incredibly positive and things like that. I think every day in camp. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I keep going back. The was incredible. The you know the course, but it was all you guys, all the other runners. That's one of my um, 
biggest highs. I think just, you know, every time I crossed that finish line, people, everyone was there, you know, and, um, and it was encouraging or, you know, yeah, everyone was wonderful. And I think crossing that finish line, I don't know if you saw my face when I finished, but I just dissolved in tears. I don't know if you <laughs> saw like, my face, but same thing right back at you. <laughs> Yeah, it was like I just thank goodness my daughter was there to catch me. Yeah, <laughs> I just line and just dissolved into tears. So yeah, uh, there's the I picture realized- a a picture Glenn took that I think captures the race more than anything is just a picture of Paul with like pure joy on his face giving you a hug at the very uh-huh. finish and it's it's it makes me get emotional just kind of like looking at that picture and thinking about how much the whole experience meant for for all of us really and and yes for all of us um inclusively it's not like i mean i was just every day so delighted that you got the race leader and yes paul just having that joy that i finished that i made it i mean people um cared that uh, you know, I finished it. That you finished it. That Kayla finished it. That everybody, you know, h- how you were doing. Everybody cared. I think that was one of the biggest things for me. Um, it was that was just absolutely amazing. I mean, I've run a few races, like that Bigfoot Forty. When I came in, there was except for my husband, there was nobody there at the finish line. Nobody yeah. cared really. <laughs> You know, nobody cared that I finished. Nobody else was invested. Everybody there was invested in everybody else's run. And, um, yeah, and knowing how hard it was or, you know, for each and every person. I mean, and that was, yes, that I do really enjoy that picture. I just looked at them again yesterday, and that was like, wow, you could see that. And that was um, that was pretty special yeah you don't get that everywhere no I think, <laughs> yeah i think you might have just hit the nail on the head as to what one of the big things that makes the race special is just the fact that everyone is invested in everyone else and you want everyone to be successful you know and it's it's funny because it's not even just the other runners you're like invested in everybody like the crew everybody which is really cool yeah yeah it's really I mean, it was a remarkable experience. I tell everybody, I said, if you want an adventure and you want something that's going to really be a positive thing in your life, you need to go run this race. Now, they all look at me like I'm absolutely crazy, <laughs> but I truly mean it. I mean, yeah. it's a life-changing event, and it's just like anybody can do it if they want to. You know, yeah. people look at me, I couldn't do that. Like, yes, you could. You could do this, you know, and it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's super cool. Um what uh i guess the other thing that was really cool to see was your daughter and your granddaughter came down uh multiple times through the race to kind of support you and cheer you on and and stuff like that and you know just from the aspect of family and as a dad who has three daughters i'm like wow like what like look at like what a role model like what a you know you're showing your granddaughter that truly like anything can be done with a little bit of hard work and you know she got to see the ending like the ending of the days which isn't pretty for any of us you know (laughs) yeah yeah that was really special for me to have my daughter and granddaughter show up at times and um yeah it was just that and that was a real labor of love for them because Wendy works two jobs she has a farm she has a family (laughs) you know and and have them come um yeah and I I hope that it can be a positive thing for my kids. Once my grandkids someday, if they go, 
oh, it's really hard and think, no, grandma did that. That would be really cool. I mean, it's not why I ran the race, but um, I would love that to be, you know, something that came from it. That would be wonderful. You know, they're going to be at school and they're like, kids are going to be talking about their grandparents. They're like, you know what my grandma did this summer? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, Lori, thank, (laughs) thank you for coming on the show and like, like I said, thank you for everything during the race. It was just like an amazing experience and absolutely uh, loved meeting you and uh, really enjoyed watching you, watching you run and all that stuff. Well, thank you, Chris. And thank you for your, just your love for life and um, for people and for encouraging people. You were a wonderful person to meet and I hope we see each other some other time. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, guys. Um, First of all, that was incredible. Uh, One of my favorite interviews. um, And I'm pretty sure when I thought I destroyed my computer last week, um, I was the most upset because I'm like, man, not, uh, I just, I felt so bad because I'm like, I want everyone to be able to share their stories. And I messed up and uh, thought it was a good idea to drink water while watching a TV show on my computer. (laughs) Um, And I, I think I was like, it really upset me. And I think more than anything, it was the idea of uh, disappointing people like Lori um, and like not letting her get her story out there because I think it's so incredibly powerful. Um, All right, guys, let's move right along. Um, We are going to be chatting with Reed Delman and Kyla Claudel. Um, They are the race directors of Gemini Adventures. And I really wanted to hear their perspective of um, about this year, they've been putting this event on for, um, I think 15 or 16 years at this point. And so they've seen it all as it pertains to stage racing. And, uh, they've really kind of dialed it in at this point as it comes to crew. Uh, and, um, I just wanted to hear their perspective. What made this year different from other years and uh what kind of adventures did did they have along the way because as racers you go through your own journey and you don't really have time to think about um the fact that the crew and the race directors especially all have their own adventures um as you're out there running or walking briskly (laughs) through the desert What made this year stick out kind of amongst the other ones? So every, every year, every year is unique. That's the, that's the amazing thing about this. Every year is unique. And, uh, you know, so whether you have a big turnout or a small turnout or hot weather or cold weather, uh, you know, every year brings its own challenges and, and is, is exciting in different ways. Um, this year, uh, it definitely was the coolest year we've had. And we started out with it in the fall. First couple of years were in the fall. And this was even cooler than, than any of those years. too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, the first day of summer happened while we we're, you know, I think it was day five and it's the first day of summer and we're all huddled around a fire in sweatshirts and sweatpants that thankfully we brought, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 And it was and just we like really prepared for it. Yeah, like what are the chances that this would be the weather that we got? It was it was amazing. 
Yeah, and it and it was beautiful too, you know, the clouds coming in and and all that really adds to the to the feel of it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I guess after talking to a lot of people about this event and really thinking about it quite often over the last couple of years, it's really hard to like really pinpoint what makes the event so special. Um, because, you know, from my perspective, it's this combination of all these different factors. Um, but what about from like your guys' perspective? Like this is a special event. I know you hear it every year from the people involved, but just from your perspective as the people who put the event on, what, what makes it a, a special, special thing? I think what makes it special is how extreme it is. Even I, the weather, no matter what it is, is extreme. You know, you're committing, you're all in on this. There's no way out except through it. And sharing that in a place that is so stunningly beautiful and doing something that is so physically and emotionally rewarding is trip of a lifetime. It will change you. There's no way to get through that being the same person as when you came in. And that's a special thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I I mean, you kind of just summed up my experience. Like even both years, it's like you go in thinking one thing and then you leave and you have this shift of perspective or, or a paradigm shift in your own life. And, um, yeah, it is. It's the wildness of the country that you're running through. So, so when I, Kyla and I were talking about this recently, when I started this, I think I was a different person. You know, I, I really wanted to, <laughs> to torture people way more than, <laughs> you know, I, w- I was uh, 15 years younger and was out there trying to suffer as much as I can. And I think I have a different perspective on it now. Um, but it was, it was really set up with, with a lot of pain in mind, you know, and, and you come out the other side of it. And, and you're a changed person from that physical side of it. Uh, now, now, as I get older and, and appreciate different parts of it, the beauty, the camaraderie, and, and all those parts of it now are falling into place. And, and I think that one of the things that makes it so, so positive for the racers is that it's amazing for the staff also. Yeah. You know, we go out there and, and every year, we're we're moved by it we're moved by the scenery we're moved by what the people are doing out there we're moved by working with the other staff that we're that we're so thankful for you know and being out there and going through all that hardship for for the staff too it's not easy getting getting all that gear and all the water and ice and everything that you guys enjoy it's not easy for us uh getting that out there for you but it's, it's extremely rewarding for us too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the cool part. The, even the crew kind of, you guys go on these little, like these adventures as well. You know, I think to like Gordon trying to uh, drive to the Onion Creek aid station and realizing it was completely washed out. (laughs) The road was. Yeah. Yeah. And then having to like drive down this, you know, you, I mean, you guys drove down it too, but that winding dirt path just down those cliffs, basically. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I, th- the racers feel that, you know, you feel like 
everybody's in this together and everyone's going on their own adventures, whatever that may be. Yep. Yes, exactly. So often you go to an event and it's presented to you and you enjoy it, but to, to have it presented to you and to see everything that's going on to make it happen just makes it so much more of an adventure. Yeah. When you see that roads are washed out and that everything's extreme for everyone here, but we're all going to come together and make it happen. What a cool extra layer to add to an event. I love it. Yeah. Well, and then I think too, um, you know, if I go to a regular 50K or something, right? Yeah, I really appreciate the aid station workers. Like I'm glad they're there, but most of the time I don't know who they are. Um, but then I go to this event and it's people you camp with. Like you got, I mean, even you guys, like the race directors, you camp with the race directors all week. So you get to know everybody and you're hanging out with everybody at camp. And then when you're running into an aid station or you're running into the finish line, you're like genuinely excited to see your friends, you know? Yeah. And I think yes. that's so unique. Like you can't get that experience at most other races. And the great thing is, you know, I think it's the nature of nature of the beast, you know, it's part of the event because I know you guys were really excited to have a small group this year, but even when we've had 35 people, you know, uh, every person that crosses that finish line, we're so excited for them. You know, we, we see, I see them at the aid stations and then the finish line and I'm man, I never thought they'd get to the finish line at that point. Yeah. You know, and then to see them cross is, is just so cool. And, and like you said, you know, we wake up in the same camp as you guys, you know, swollen eyes in the morning and bad breath and, and, and the whole thing, <laughs> you know, like, oh, you know, here, here's all our friends. We're mm -hmm. surrounded by everybody and, and we want to support you guys and, and make sure that you're having a good time, you know. Yeah. How did you guys come up with such like an awesome crew, like an awesome group of people? Because, you know, coming back the second year, it's a lot of people returning um, in their various positions. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's gotten easier, though. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it develops, yeah. you know, and the people who enjoy being part of something like this, they keep coming back. So we have that base of people coming back and, um, and people who connect with us enjoy coming back. Yeah. We always say we're so lucky to have such a great staff, but it's not luck. It's because it's a great event and great people are drawn to it who are the right fit for something like that. It's not easy to find people who are fulfilled that way and want to spend their time do it, doing that for a living. But when you do, it's, they're the best people. They're perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly, so I, even talking about like racers returning, I, you guys have like a really high percentage of people who come back for a second year or a third year. Um, can you guys kind of like speak to that? Cause I think it, I think that statistic alone speaks highly to what you've put together. So, yeah, so we have at least a 40% return rate. Um, I, I'm not sure what the average is over the years, but, uh, I don't think, I, I haven't seen a year that has been less than 40% return rate. Um, and yeah, again, people connect with it once they're out there. I, I think, I think the hard part for us is convincing people that this is something that they would enjoy, <laughs> you know, because on paper it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you look at the temperatures, you look at the distance, you look at, 
you know, all camping every night and all those pieces to it. And, and you have, it's a small subset of society, of our culture that, that think this is going to be something really cool, you know? Um, but once they get out there, they're sold. They're so, I, I always say, I believe in the product, <laughs> you know, uh, the, all the pieces are there for such an amazing event. And we just have to let people know, uh, that this is something that, that they would like. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys have said this in the past, like you've had people who have never ran an ultra marathon go and do very well at this event, right? Yep. Yeah, we've, we had a couple people. Well, we've had a number of people who have never even run a marathon, <laughs> not even ultras. Um, what we find, what we've been finding recently actually is, is that people who do things like through hiking and backpacking almost do they, they tend to do really well i don't know if i'd say they do better yeah but they do really well at, the, at this sort of thing yeah you kind of have to have that patience you know over six days you gotta day one day two there are moments where you have to be patient and you have to like kind of pull the reins back a little bit um <laughs> yeah yep, <definitely. laughs> but i think i think i want people to understand that like you don't have to be an like if you imagine a, a elite ultra runner right now in your mind, you don't have to be that person to compete in this event. This is like a choose your own adventure. It's going to challenge anybody and everybody, but that doesn't mean that it's impossible. Like it's hard. It's very hard. Uh, the trail itself, I mean, is 140 some miles and you're going up and down mountains and it's, and it, that's not even to mention what the weather is. But that doesn't mean you can't step up to it and you can't do really well. You know, I think this, it's this idea of like expanding your boundaries um, that doing something like this event allows you to do. That is absolutely true. And it's we, talking about returning racers. Winners come back just as often as back of the pack and people who don't make it through the week. I mean, it doesn't from beginning to end, everyone returns and it's, truly your own race and your own journey yeah. um, and you just got to show up <laughs> yeah I, I think one of the advantages so so there's there's the front of the pack which congratulations you were this year <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> and out, right? um, but I think that what tends to happen is the people who are toward the back of the pack take a little bit more time to to take care of themselves right so you have the front of the pack who who are pushing pushing the pace, uh, trying not to carry as much weight and, you know, going a little lighter on water. Back of the pack, man, they've, they've got nothing to lose. They just need to stay hydrated. They need to stay, you know, keep food coming in. And when you have a little bit more time, that those are your challenges. And, and if, you could, if you could manage well, th this, is, this is just as doable for you as, as an elite ultra runner. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I just like the idea of like, choose your own adventure. And to be honest, as I was running this year, I was thinking to myself, like, without you guys putting the race on, I probably would never go on this trail. You know, I mean, it's, it's mostly a mountain biking trail, but to do it by yourself without support would be really really difficult i have a feeling it, it would be dangerous yeah and dangerous it, it, 
it would be foolish to, to try to do it by yourself. You know, we, <laughs> if you tried to do this by yourself, even with somebody supporting you, so let's say you had, had a friend supporting you and they were going to bring uh, gear to uh, Onion Creek where, where our aid <laughs> station was this year. Yeah. And the road is washed out. Okay. Now you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you get to where they were expecting you. They're not there. And, and there's no way for you, you know, you're out there in crazy temperatures and, and harsh conditions, but we know the area well enough that we know that there's access from the top down. We know what kind of vehicle it takes. You know, we have the experience and, uh, and for you to, to attempt it by yourself, eh, you know, that's taking some risks and to do it completely solo. I mean, there's no water. Yeah. There's, yeah. It's, it's just not doable. Yeah. Well, I know that onion to the onion Creek aid station, that section is really intimidating because it's really remote. Um, it can get really hot. There's like steep, like there's steep parts and jagged rocks in the rose garden, quote unquote. Um, right, right. No roses. <laughs> uh, but, um, <laughs> but you do have this comfort in the back of your mind where it's like, okay, if something happened and there was an emergency, um, there are people out here whose mission and their goal and their adventure is to take care of me at this point. There's a sweeper coming behind me. There's people at an aid station a few miles up, you know, like just that comfort makes this, um, makes this doable in that sense. You know, you can kind of let that fear aside a little bit and focus more on, you know, really kind of just pushing your limits, I guess. Right. Yeah. It definitely allows you to push your physical limits way more than if you were on your own. Yeah. Right. Because they're, they're, we're the safety net. If, if you were on your own, you know, you start, it starts to get too hot. You start to get a little bit low on water and well, now you have to start thinking about bailing, you know, yeah. but, but with us out there, you know, you get low on water, it gets too hot. Well, you, you push forward because you, you know that we're there to, <laughs> to catch you if you fall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so uh, let's talk like specifically um, this year. What are some stories or some moments from you guys that, that kind of stand out? <laughs> the weather was a completely different kind of dramatic this year. Yeah. But we had some moments that really stood out. <laughs> <laughs> Running around at 1 a.m. tying down tents is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's unusual. I mean, that's a huge standout. That has never happened. It was fun. Yeah. For you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. <laughs> well, it made it added to the adventure aspect, right? Where it's like, oh, someone is in need and someone's tent is blowing away. We have to sprint out there and somehow solve this problem. It added to the teamwork. This year was so high on teamwork. Everyone was absolutely on the same team this year. I don't know if I've ever seen everyone as one cohesive faction as much as it was this year. Yeah. And that was such a fun time such a cool thing to see and be a part of yeah well and, and the story that i that i told and uh you know that i enjoyed was uh the wind blew down somebody's tent and in the middle of the night 1 a.m and uh and by the time i got my shoes on and got out of out of 
my out of my bed, um, there were there were a handful of other people out there helping her, and uh, racers and staff just jumped jumped right in, helped her out of the tent and started nailing everything down and and uh, you know took care of it, uh, you know that, and that's the kind of thing that I really enjoy about this. You know, I've seen people run long distances and I've seen people push themselves and, you know, through MMA, I've seen people get beat up and, and, <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. Um, but it's the teamwork in this that you just don't see anywhere else. The humility too. Everyone was so humble. The returning racers were a tight group from last year and they let everyone in on their inside jokes immediately. We're offering advice. We're helpful. It was that's a good thing to see. It's easy to kind of use that having done it before to be a little bit above other people. And no one did that. It was amazing. Good year. Good people. Yeah. That's awesome. Even Phil. <laughs> uh, Phil, Phil is unique regardless. <laughs> He's humble on the inside. He is super humble. I love that guy. He, uh, during the racer meeting <laughs> stopped you guys and, uh, gave you this spoon that we found in the middle of the street in Moab. And I was like, Phil, they're going to kick you out, man. <laughs> it is. But that is an inside joke that instantly bonds people, you yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous, but also <laughs> it makes us a group. And, and we're, you know, and him interrupting us, you know, that <laughs> we're, <laughs> we have to, we have things that we have to get done. We have to let everybody know what is, what's going to, be happening for the week and we have to get everybody comfortable and fill in with information but we're not standing up there lecturing yeah you, you yeah. know what i mean so so him interrupting us is, is all just part of the part of the group atmosphere you know yeah. it was fun so so we held on to that spoon and passed it around when we were talking. <laughs> I was trying to get him to put the spoon back in the street when we were back in Moab, you know, like back where we found it. Right. Because I was like, no one would know. No one would know the adventure the spoon just went on. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but he wouldn't do it. I think it's the same place. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. such a metaphor for life. You just right? don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what other spoons are going through. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Kyla, when did, when did you come on board? Like, when did you start working with Reed and everything like that? Uh, this is my seventh year. Okay. Yep. So what so I was on board yeah. in the middle of the process? Okay. So what was your reaction the first time you went in and helped out with Deserats? I'll tell you. <laughs> I was sitting there a couple days in and I was at my car and it was hot and I was working. It was a huge year. And I vividly remember telling myself and thinking in my head, the good thing about this is you, you never have to do it again. You don't have to come back next year. No one can make you. Yeah. So I'm just going to hold on to that thought. <laughs> so you know how it is. You break down on that race before you get built up. Yeah. And it's like that for us too. Yeah. So what made it, you come back? How you feel at the end. Yeah. The best week of the year it changed my life. It really did in many ways and continues to do so. And now I look forward to it because I know I'm going to get through it. But yeah. And, and that's part of the process that we were talking about with the staff, you know, some people come back and some people leave, you know, and we're, and, and the people who stick around are the ones who enjoy this and, and learn from it and, 
and and appreciate it. We had uh, one woman come out one year to help, and uh, <laughs> she locked herself in her car with the air conditioning on and refused to get out. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> she was she was supposed to be putting out snacks for the racers, and refused to get out. So, <laughs> but we've had other staff come out, kids who have never even seen an ultra race and they are floored they are so amazed and impressed by what people can do and what they can help them do and being a part of that that they they never forget it and we follow their journey you know they'll do it when they're 22 years old and we'll know them 10 years later when they're getting married and this that race is still a part of their life and the people they met there and that they talk to and where they go from there yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it and and then you have John Graham, the uh the heart of of Desert Rats who unfortunately couldn't be there this year um as often as he wanted to. Yeah, yeah, you see it's it's a huge part of his life. It's not something he had ever been a part of before. You know, and and he doesn't understand it <laughs> for sure, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I hear him talk about it now and he he doesn't get it, but he understands it, you know, it's, it's not who he is, but he watches all of you and knows what you're going through and knows what to expect. You know, he's seen it all before now. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, just, I think it was probably in the first conversation I had um, before the racer meeting, but I was talking to uh, Corey and Damon, the two EMTs and they told me they're like, yeah, we got into Moab and then we, uh, we went over to John's house and cooked him dinner, mowed his lawn and just helped out cause he was recently, uh, sick. And I'm right. like, dude, what? Like, this is amazing. It's just such a beautiful, wonderful community of people. Um, that amazing. Yeah. Right. And they're willing amazing. to like, we spend- say rats family, but that's family. That is yeah. what family does. Yeah, exactly. So it's really true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Yeah. I want to say this too. You were asking about Kyla coming on board. Uh, you know, she has she's really changed the face of it, and and her and my dynamic, <laughs> I think I think helps. We, we have both sides of of the yeah. coin here. Yeah. Uh, and and it really helps racers. You know, before again, I was I was trying to torture all of you, <laughs> and and now there's somebody out there to support you, and while I'm torturing you, <laughs> yeah. You know. She's out there to support you and, uh, and has changed the face of it and the feel of it. And that's been a huge part of, of the family dynamic. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I said last year, you guys totally good cop, bad cop it. And I think some, and I mean that in like the best way possible, like some races are all about bad cop where it's like, Oh, you're going to suffer and this is going to suck and be the worst. And, but but I, and I, some people are drawn to that, you know, some people are like, yes, I'm going to do the hardest thing possible, which is great. But then also at the same time, it's like, you guys do it in such a way where it's like, yeah, this is going to be very difficult, but we're going to support you and do everything in our power to get you to the finish line. Um, but ultimately you're going to have to like overcome the obstacles. You're, you know, put one foot in front of the other yourself along the way. Here, here's what I think is, is a big difference with our race is a lot of events out there. Um, they really create an illusion that, that, uh, the race is difficult. 
yeah. know, toughest race on earth, yeah. you, know, <laughs> uh, you know, hardest this or that. Ours is really tough, <laughs> you know? So we can't take it lightly. We have to support you and we have to make sure that you're, that you're safe out there. And for us to build it up as the toughest race around, uh, I think it speaks for itself, uh, you know, as to how difficult it is when the temperatures are 110 degrees, you know, and, and you're out there 12 miles between eight stations, you know, that's not something to fool with. Yeah. Um, and, and if we want people to survive, we do have to do a great job of supporting you. And part of that is, is the mental side, which, which Kyla does very well. And, and again, I put together a crew that, uh, that is concerned about making sure that you're safe. You know, this, this isn't an illusion that, that this is a tough race or, or that you're out there far from, from civilization. We have to go, we have to drive, you know, a long ways to get anything. Yeah. To, to get ice. We start out with 2000 pounds of ice. Because there's no refrigeration, you know, there's no, no way <laughs> to keep anything cool. But if you want to eat, we have to have it on ice. So, so we have, in, in order for you to survive out there, we have to be supportive. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys, you guys just get that balance. It's awesome. Um, I, I, I don't even know, like, at, to kind of like wrap up here. It's really hard for me to even put into words what is the essence of the event and why it means so much to me, but it's, it just speaks to what you guys have been able to put together. I'm like, I don't know. I was, I mean, I was just thinking like in just ultra running community in general, like there's not a lot of stage races in the United States. Um, but then now like as ultra running is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, like there's lotteries for races, there's qualifiers, there's all this stuff. And I'm like, like when there's events like desert rats or, you know, things that you guys like, like that you put together where you're camping and you're forming a community and all this stuff. I'm like, why would you even mess around with the other stuff? So some people like the fanfare more, you know, yeah. and, and I've been to some of those big races and it's fun. Yeah, there, that's there's true. things to get out of those big races. There really is, um, but you know what you get out of out of this small race, and and really putting yourself out there, as it's it's way more. It's it's more internal. You know, you might not get the accolades. Uh, I did desert rats. What I don't know what desert rats is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who doesn't know what Western States is? Yeah. You know? um, but but you get something different out of it. Yes. And and if you're if what you're looking for isn't necessarily those those accolades or those the the fanfare, you know, when you post pictures and say I ran for six days, that's that's where the accolades is. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, telling everybody that you ran this famous race. It's not famous, but it is authentic and it's and it's difficult and it's and it's a true test. Yeah. It's so authentic. That's a really good word for it. Um, you know, it's, yeah. Authentic is, describes it to me. I don't know. And you're right. Like the internal stuff you gain from it 
trumps any of that any external thing in my opinion but but that's yeah. just me i don't know yeah I, I you're awesome <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about that but uh yeah so anyways i just want to thank you guys again um this the last two years doing this has been really really cool and you know i i just it just means a lot to me so thank you yeah, oh thank thank you for coming out yeah and, and actually if if uh what i'd like to do is uh give your listeners yeah a, a discount for this year's race oh sweet yeah <laughs> um if they want to enter ward w-a-r-d okay um as they check out uh they could get uh 25 off nice man i actually have a few friends who are very interested so hopefully yeah that's really cool thank you for doing that i didn't even i did not expect that whatsoever but i mean if someone's listening and they're like just want to go on a crazy adventure and uh but also have that support so you know you can get through it uh this i mean we've been talking now for about half an hour like this is unlike anything else so i would highly 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 suggest it yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's, like I said, it's really special to us, too. And any friend of yours, we definitely went there. <laughs> all right. All right. Sweet. So, yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll make sure I post that with the episode and all that stuff so, so people know. But uh, thanks again, guys. You guys are just awesome folks, and I uh, can't wait to see you again at some point in the future. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Always super cool for me to be able to talk to Reed and Kyla. Uh, those are just two great people and um, just a really fun uh, dynamic between the two. They're, they're a blast. So uh, thank you guys for coming on the show. Um, let's move on. So we have two more interviews here. Uh, next, we're going to go to Morgan Hall. And Morgan um, is this racer from Utah, and he just crushed it um he's an awesome guy uh, out of everybody in the race i spent the most time running with morgan during the event and i just had so much fun talking with him and running next to him and and all that stuff uh you know um i i think about day two uh, we climbed the uh there's this big climb i don't even know how many miles in at this point um but there's a big climb up to this mesa uh, where there's an aid station on the top. And I just remember hiking up that, talking about movies and all sorts of stuff. And it was one of my um, favorite moments during the race um, of just kind of hanging out with Morgan. Were you were you surprised with, like, I guess going in, did you have a certain expectation of how it was going to feel or how it was going to um, B and then were you surprised? Like we were just talking about recovery, you know, and you coming out of it, you said you're not very sore. Like, was that kind of like something you, you learned along the way? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I, I can say, yeah, I was definitely surprised. I thought I would feel a little bit more sore the Monday after, you know, doing all, doing all six, all five stages or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, when I start, when I went into the race, I knew that it was kind of a new thing for me. And, um, so my kind of, my goals going into it were just one, try to get to the, try to get to the start of the whole entire thing, you know, in good shape, feeling healthy. And then my next goal, you know, past that was just to finish the thing. 
And then my kind of third goal was to try to beat 30 hours. Yeah. And, uh, you destroyed that, man. (laughs) (laughs) I was all, I mean, yeah, I'm really surprised by the weather because man, (laughs) I mean, it just total, total, you know, call it luck or whatever, but you know, if the weather would have been worse, I would have had, my enjoyment level would have been much less. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the same for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I've been in a couple races and just in pretty hot conditions and every time, you know, it's late afternoon and you've been on your feet for 10 hours or something like that. And it's hot temperatures, man. Uh, the times that I've been in that situation, it's just really bad for me. I get nauseous and like just kind of sucks my motivation out. But you know, for this race, I mean, there are a couple of hot sections, but it was never that bad. And, you know, Oh yeah. I think that that made the whole race a lot better for sure. That was a huge surprise. So, um, yeah, in those hot sections, like, did you have any trouble? Because I know for me, there was, like, one just, like, two-hour section that got pretty hot. And then I did start feeling what you just said, like, nauseous and, and exhausted and things like that. Yeah, I think it was on the the second stage was that where we were – we ran down to Westwater where that uh that train bridge was in the water station. You know, after that – I thought it was kind of hot and I was sort of, I I was getting kind of hot and, um, a little bit, a little bit nauseous through that section, but you know, there was some clouds that rolled in and I know I felt better because of that. Yeah. But then the other really hot section was probably on, you know, stage four. Yeah. That's when it hit me, man. Um, A couple like, yeah, about mile 20 or 25 or so because, yeah, you didn't have an aid station until what mile thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was a pretty hot afternoon trying to get up that hill for sure. I remember looking at my watch, and I don't really trust my watch for an accurate temperature, but you know, you can measure it against itself. And I remember seeing my watch say like ninety-seven. Yeah, really. Okay, I didn't know that. I figured it was about that though. And then there were sections where the wind would just completely stop, you know, and. And then I just remember looking up and seeing that, uh, those snow covered peaks in the distance. And I was like, man, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, do you have any kind of like favorite moments that stick out, um, or anything like that? Let's see. Favorite moment was probably rolling into the, uh, finishing off that fourth stage. I mean, we were just talking about how it got kind of hot in the afternoon, but as soon as I got to that aid station at mile 30, I don't even remember what the aid station name was, but, um, you know, it was about a mile before that is when the temperatures dropped like 10 or 15 degrees and the clouds came out and I just, I immediately felt so much better. Yeah. <laughs> and I got into that, I got into that aid station, you know, I ha- ate, peanut butter and jelly sandwich or whatever I, whatever sandwich I had in my bag, peanut butter and honey or something like that. And then, you know, from the, from the rest of that stage, it was, it was much cooler. And then, you know, there was a lot of climbing and I was, you know, that wasn't so bad, but I mean, climbing, climbing with the lower temperatures was okay. And then as soon as I hit the road, you know, uh, I started to feel a lot better and dropping, you know, dropping in elevation and uh, just being able to roll into that camp because I think, I felt, yeah, it was part of one of my favorite parts because my, in my head, I had planned to finish about 10 hours and I was completely prepared to finish in like 
11 hours and I knew that I would be fine if I finished in 11 hours and it was no big deal. But when I was coming down the hill, I was like, I'm going to finish in like nine 15 and that, that just put me on cloud nine and I was feeling really good. And I was like, this is great. Like couldn't ask for anything better to finish off this date and then to, you know, really exceed my goal and to be able to do it under good conditions. Yeah, man. Well, and then that last like six miles downhill, if you're feeling good, you can just kind of cruise it, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much what I did for sure. Yeah, man. Was there, what about like, uh, kind of like biggest obstacles, uh, along the way? Um, like, was there any particular day that was more challenging than others for you or, or what? Uh, I do remember getting down to like the last two miles of that last day. (laughs) And I guess, and there was something in my head that was just like, dude, you're done. Like there's you, there's no reason for you to go. There's no reason for you to run. And I was like, no, but I want to run. And I was kind of having this fight with myself. Like, like, so it was actually pretty hard to push myself through the last couple of miles of that last day. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, why was, why did, why did my brain like kind of shut off right then? <laughs> I guess I just kind of knew it was over. Yeah. But you know, that was kind of, I mean, that was kind of hard. And then, trying to think you know i do remember that fourth stage there was once we got up to the first aid station at like five and a half miles in my head there was like no more serious climbing until we got to the onion creek aid station but when i was actually out there on the course man it just kept climbing and climbing and climbing up away from that that first aid station and I was I was like holy cow like I want to be running I want to be going faster than I am and then you finally got down I think into that rose garden before onion creek and then once you get to the bottom of that there's more climbing coming out of that and I was just, so that was sort of sort of disheartening but at the same time you know at the end of the day everything was great yeah but while I was out there on the course I was just like oh man I was kind of hoping there would be a little bit more more flat and you know, I was, I was hoping I would be able to move faster through that part because I knew of the, the really big climbing section, which was like, which was like miles 20 through 36 or so. Yeah. Yeah. That day I, I must've completely blanked out of my memory. A lot of the beginning of that day, because I, I had the same exact reaction. We like climbed out of that Canyon after that aid station, which I remembered that part that like really steep part. But then we just hit that section and it just kept going. And I was like, oh, no, I thought this was earlier in the race. And <laughs> it was a mess, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. So how how would how does this thing compare to like after having done it? Because I know we talked a lot while we were running about your previous like uh, Wasatch 100 race. Um, so after after completing this whole thing, how does this race and like this format and this style compare to a 100 and like, do you have a preference between the two or are they both kind of their own fun thing? Uh, I would say they're two kind of separate beasts in my opinion. Yeah. What's the, I mean, what's the biggest difference between the two? I would say in a hundred, you're just at towards the, I mean, towards the end of the hundred, you're running more fatigued, <laughs> like yeah. just more, just like, really just tired where your brain just wants to sort of shut down at towards the end of a hundred. At least that's how it was for me. I mean, I'm sure 
some people are able to train themselves to look to handle that a little bit better. But in my case, like, yeah, getting to the end of that race, I was just so, so just extremely exhausted. And in the case of the stage race, you could still get sleep and you could still get plenty of to eat. And when you woke up in the morning, you know, like you'd be, you'd start and your legs would be tired, but you know, you, that wouldn't, that would be like the only thing it wouldn't be, you know, in conjunction with being hungry and malnourished and, you know, yeah. lack of sleeps kind of stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you have a preference or, or do you like them both? Uh, you know, as it stands right now, my experience with the stage race was a lot better than my experience with a hundred. Yeah. So yeah, I would definitely, I mean, and, and a lot of it had to do with the, the, the fact that we lucked out with the weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. but yeah, I had my experience with the stage race was much better than my experience with my, with doing a hundred. Nice man. So how do you think, do you think this is gonna, so we were talking before we started recording about speed goat, which is coming up. Do you think this is going to, uh, be good training for you in, in that race? Or do you think that'll like, cause you've done speed goat a whole bunch of times, but do you think this will kind of yeah. change your approach going in? Change my approach? Uh, I don't know. Probably, probably your, not that much. <laughs> what about like your mindset? I guess is what I mean. Like in the middle of the race. I I'm hoping that it, you know it'll have it will have some sort of positive effect because you know it's speed goes only 31 miles right it's not I yeah. mean as far as distance goes it's not that that long of a race and so after the stage race I mean I mean you know 31 miles isn't that far <laughs> yeah <laughs> like so hopefully you know in speed goat I'll be able to just remember hey it's not that far and I'll be able to you know when I ha have to get to those big climbs i'll be able to just have a little bit more of a motivation just to get get it get over the climb and get to the finish line yeah. quicker how many big climbs are there in that oh man just isn't i heard yeah, it's like non-stop yeah. almost <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a lot i mean for all intents and purposes there's nothing that's level on the course i mean you climb <laughs> you climb up to hidden peak the first time then you go all the way down the backside. And then you got to climb basically up to hidden peak again. I say basically because you're going up another peak that's next to hidden peak. And then you've got to go down the front again about halfway. And then you got to go up the front again, you know, <laughs> up to the top of hidden peak. Yeah. And yeah, by the time you're doing that last climb up to hidden peak, you know, it's, it's like, I think the last eight stations about mile 27 or so. Yeah. And so coming up that last climb, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's rough because it's steep. I mean, you're putting your, you got your hands on your legs and I mean, it's almost anything. I mean, it, most people at that section are not doing anything. that looks like running <laughs> and then you still have to run. Then you still have to come down the front again and you come and you go on a different course. And even when you come back down the front, it's the climbing still isn't entirely over. Um, speed goats done a good job of putting in a couple more climbs just on the way back you. down to the finish. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, a lot of stuff just feels like intentional torture. That's awesome, man. Well, good luck in that dude. I, I'm excited to hear how you do. Um, and I want to say like, thank you so much for, uh, for spending the week in the desert, man. Like I really, really, really enjoyed racing with you and running with you and all of that and hanging out at camp and, and meeting your family at the Absolutely. end. Like I thought that was such a, such a cool thing, man. So, so thanks. And, uh, yeah. 
I hope you're in Denver, Colorado sometime and we can uh, go for a run at some point. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Our last interview for this week, uh, and I hope you guys are enjoying these as much as I enjoyed recording them. And, you know, um, these are the episodes I actually go back and listen to because I like reminiscing and I like hearing these people that I um, very much respect and very much really admired um, throughout the race. And I like hearing their stories and and hearing how they had their own moments of adversity that they had to push through and and ultimately um, achieving that and ultimately um, accomplishing their goal um, and, and all that. So um, the last racer we're going to talk to today is a racer by the name of Teresa Zordon. Um, Teresa, uh, my favorite, and I think we get into it in the interview, so I won't dwell on it too much, but my favorite moment with Teresa was uh on day four the expedition day um I knew she was ahead of me at some point and I kept expecting to see her just like around the corner and for over an hour or maybe an hour and a half I didn't see her and I was like whoa did I miss Teresa or or what um and then you know I'm like I hope she's okay and then of course I rounded the corner and I look down um and I just see her just kicking so much ass like she just kicked it into gear and it's just like dominating it was awesome to see it was so cool she just looks so powerful um and it was not only just her being powerful but it was powerful in one of the hardest sections of the whole entire week um and seeing that just was um something i'll never forget she was going very very fast for that section and it was really awesome and inspiring to see. And so last for today, but certainly not least, Teresa Zorton. Did it meet your expectations or was it, did you find something totally different along the way? Um, you know, I, I can't, uh, it's hard to say what I expected going into it. I expected a lot of running yeah. <laughs> and a lot of hiking and I expected it to be really, really hot. Um, so, uh, with the weather, I was pleasantly surprised that it was such a cool year, um, comparatively. And so I do feel like all the heat training that I did was a little wasted, but, yeah. <laughs> um, that's okay. I'd rather, I'd rather have done it and then not needed it than the other way around. Um, and I was like, I was pretty surprised. So I signed up for the race um, a month before it. And so I only had a month to train. And I think in the year, year and a half beforehand, the longest run I had done was about 15 miles. So I was pretty nervous going into it. Yeah. And, um, and I did like train like a maniac for three weeks and then take one rest week <laughs> to taper. Um, but I do, I was pleasantly surprised at how manageable the running aspect of it seemed like I, I was, yeah, I was really happy with how I did and like that I was able to finish it cause I didn't know going into it. I really wasn't sure if I could finish it. Um, so the fact that I did, I was like, Oh, hooray. That's nice. <laughs> So, um, you crushed yeah, it. You seriously, you, you crushed the race. Um, I just, I think back to, uh, the expedition day. Um, and I was, I was going along and I got to the Rose garden, which by the way, 
if you're imagining a rose garden, it's not that. It's basically like jagged rocks. No roses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I looked down this hill, though, and around the corner, and you're, like, booking it. And I was like, dang, she's she's going for it today, which was which was awesome. Yeah. I, I really wanted to take it easy the first few days so that I could push hard at the end and not feel like I was struggling too much. And I felt really good that day. I I love the long days anyway. So that was, that was fun. Yeah. So your background coming into it, you're kind of like a through hiker. Is that, is that right? Um, well, I have through hiked the Colorado trail and that's the only through hike then like the only long backpacking trip that I've done. So, um, I don't know if one through hike makes you a through hiker, but I'm going to say it does. I'm (laughs) going to say it does. (laughs) Um, And I've been doing marathons or like baby ultras for a few years. Um, But yeah, nothing, nothing like a stage race. I've never done anything like that before. So yeah, Yeah. new experience. Oh, for sure. And so what was like a high moment and then a low moment for you? Um, I think, you know, like, like I said, being pleasantly surprised that I could finish the race at all, um, was, was nice. And that I felt strong through it, you know, that I wasn't kind of crawling across the finish line one minute before the cutoff each day, like that felt really good. So that was a high moment, but then also just like the interaction, like watching you and Paul and Phil and like the banter between the three of you, that was probably the best part of the whole race. (laughs) How many times Phil referred to Paul as his dad and the eye rolls that followed and all of the conversations about Thomas Mullins, like it was just fantastic. So that like the the human interaction piece of it was probably the best of the whole thing. Yeah. Let me just say Phil on like day one, like, kind of like silenced everybody's like hold on I want to I want to say something and he like started you know you're kind of like is he going to be like a this is going to be a very emotional speech you know right uh-huh and he's basically <laughs> like so this is a really special race to me and this week's going to be just you know mean a lot to me and then he turns to Paul and he's like so me and my dad are racing through here and Paul's <laughs> just like come on man <laughs> It was so good. It was yeah. like, hey, yeah, Father's Day was yesterday, and <laughs> it was really special. That's funny. That's funny. That um, was good. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you actually like? Did you even have a low moment? Um, I think waiting for the shuttle on a rest day for an hour and forty three minutes. <laughs> That's when it was supposed to show up <laughs> yeah. when I knew that Alex was waiting for us, like, and oh. I couldn't really communicate because cell service was funny. Like the stress of that was my low moment. But yeah. beyond that, like, like there was nothing about the race or, Oh, Oh wait, no missing, missing where the rocks were at yes. <laughs> on the last day and running an extra two and a half miles when I was like, <laughs> ready to be done and yeah. tired <laughs> like i was pretty angry then that was a pretty low moment yeah not gonna lie <laughs> yeah actually that sounds like from paul's perspective was one of his favorite moments with you though because he's kind of was like <laughs> we bonded we bonded so basically like can you kind of explain what happened there um yeah so both paul and i and as far as i know ricardo as well like 
we had downloaded the the entire race GPS track, but not the individual stages. And so on the entire track, it didn't have the out and back. Um, and so we didn't, so we were kind of like off the map during that out and back. And then uh, we had, you know, we saw you and we saw um, Kayla and we saw Ricardo and we saw uh, Morgan and we even saw Andrea and everybody was like, look for a yellow and black checkered flag. And for whatever reason, I just assumed that it was a flag in the ground. Yeah. And so I was looking on the ground um, and it was a tiny little flag, but I also didn't know like how far again, because like on my app, it was, it wasn't on the map. So I just like kept going and kept going. And Paul and I were kind of leapfrogging. We were like neck and neck. And then eventually he was like, I think we've gone too far and we keep going. And then he's like, no, I'm pretty sure we've gone too far. And we kept like looking for footprints in the sand to see if like all of you guys had gone ahead of us. And we would see enough footprints that we were like, no, oh, maybe a little further, maybe a little further, maybe a little further. And then finally we got to a place where there were just bike tracks and no footprints. And we were like, oh, we have definitely gone too far. And then, so we turned around and that's when we saw Allison and we told her that she'd gone too far, but we still couldn't find the flag. I ran past it a second time. Um, and I think because Paul has done it, did it last year, he was like, it was right around this spot last year and so he like was on high alert when we got to that spot and then they found the rocks and kind of yelled to me and we went on from there (laughs) I was really angry at that point (laughs) and like the whole time like Paul and I are just like swearing up a storm and it was just like bleep 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 (laughs) (laughs) this sucks because I think we both felt so strong and we were like really happy with how we were doing up until that point and then it just you know like every minute that you think you're going in the wrong direction is a minute plus a minute back that you're wasting and the energy involved and yeah it was very frustrating That's funny. <laughs> but it was it's... nice to nice to bond with Paul <laughs> yeah yeah it might be one of those moments you look back on and you're like that was hilarious you know yes yes <laughs> I already look back on it that way because yeah like I saw Alex right after that on his bike and he was like, Oh, you were so angry that I just didn't, I wasn't even interested in talking to you. I was just going to let you burn that off. For a little while. That's a wise move <laughs> by Alex. With, yeah. Like, I mean, he's known me for a while. He knows like <laughs> it's not worth getting in the way of the storm that's yeah. coming out of my mouth. So just let me run it off. I'll get over it, which no, I did. That's so. hilarious. What did, yeah. what did you feel like running down that final road? You know, this is like a seven mile downhill and then the last two miles mm-hmm. kind of flatten out, which kind of, sucks a little bit um yeah <laughs> what, how did you feel when you rounded the corner though and you saw where the finish line was oh that was such a fun moment like because it just you know it is that long downhill and you know the finish line has to be there somewhere but you can't see it you know you just keep going up these little tiny hills and then down a long hill up a tiny hill down a long downhill and like it just keeps going. It keeps going. You know it can't be far, but then finally you round that last corner and you see like the Gemini Adventure sign and all the people, and um, it was just like, oh my gosh! Like 
I did it, <laughs> or I'm going to do it, you know, in the next two minutes, I'm going to be there, and it's going to be over, like, this whole thing that I spend a month preparing for, and, like, totally blowing off all my obligations in order to train for, and then a whole week out here with these people, and sleeping on the ground, and all of the challenges of the whole race, like, it's about to be over, it's so surreal, you know, it just, like, doesn't feel like it could be ending so quickly which is such a funny thing to say when it's been a week (laughs) but it's it's like oh all of a sudden it's done yeah it's really fun it is it's a weird feeling too i just i think back to uh the party or the post-race you know awards celebration thing and it's at this restaurant and everyone got there like a half an hour early so we don't have the room that we're supposed to go to yet Um, Mm -hmm. and you see these like 20 people all trying to fit into one booth because like (laughs) no one was ready at that moment to like, let go of the idea of like, that we're not like just in the desert together. Going to live together forever. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It was so weird. Um, and the people in the restaurant were probably like, what in the hell is going on with this group? Like, and it's it's this weird group of people too. Get a second table already. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I know the poor waitress is like climbing over the other booths to try and get people their drinks because we were all so smashed in there. (laughs) It was um, great. <laughs> it is great. So what, um, like, I guess kind of like to wrap up here, what led you to this adventure and what's kind of like one big idea you're going to take away from it? Um, what led me to this adventure, it really was kind of a whim. Um, I, I had done all of the other Gemini adventures, uh, at least, running races I haven't done any of their biking stuff but um it was one of those things that was kind of on my radar for several years of like maybe someday and then it was just like yeah okay (laughs) maybe I'll give it a try this year um and and I think my big takeaway is that I'm stronger than I realize and like and that you know it's just it's really much more of a mental challenge than anything else but you can do anything if you decide to do it like you know with a month of training I went from struggling to run 15 miles to running 130 some miles over the course of a week and that's crazy but awesome like oh okay well then maybe i shouldn't complain about those 15 miles anymore i can do a lot more than that so that's awesome yeah like i said you you did incredible like every day i'm like like i I mean it didn't even look like you ever struggled minus you know adding a couple miles here and there and cursing a bunch (laughs) (laughs) so yeah thanks yeah thanks you did incredible too obviously oh thanks (laughs) you crushed that race (laughs) well it's funny because i i kind of think the same exact way like what you just expressed i felt the same thing where i was like whoa i can do more than i thought was possible because like Uh it was never really on my radar going into it like hey i'm gonna like try to compete and like you know I don't know. It just, it was, yeah, it seemed (laughs) impossible. It seemed so impossible. And then it just kept like the circumstance, like the weather was nice. I'm like, well, I'll just run a little harder because the weather's nice. And I don't know. It just, it all worked out. So it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
but man that second 12 mile section though uh on the long day i they got super hot and i just felt terrible yeah all of a sudden i was kind of like oh, oh. i was like thank god it wasn't hot all week <laughs> <laughs> seriously we yeah. got really lucky with the weather <laughs> totally, totally well thank you for doing this Teresa. thanks for having me i yeah. appreciate it all right ladies and gentlemen that's a wrap on this year's desert rats podcast um thank you guys for everyone who was involved in the whole entire race um everyone from the fellow racers to the crew um everyone who came on today and and chatted about it uh i appreciate you guys so much and um it's the people that make the event what it is and i had a fantastic wonderful super happy time in the desert and uh it's because of everyone involved so thank you guys you are all very awesome um I don't want to turn this into just like an advertisement <laughs> for the race, but Reed and Kyla were generous enough to offer a discount um, earlier in the episode. So I'll just remind you one more time and I'm not going to harp on it or anything like that. I don't do advertisements on the podcast generally. Like I don't generally try to like sell you guys stuff with my podcast. That's not the point of doing it for me. But that being said, um, this has been a, life-changing event for me over the last two years and i just want to spread that goodness and um hopefully allow as many people to experience that as well um and like i said you know there are times that are tough during the race it's it's a 130 mile race in the desert like it can be hard for sure but i think pushing through that hard that those hard moments and having a community that you come back to every night and you get to share the tales. And once you share the tales of feeling shitty in the desert to a group of friends, all of a sudden those memories become funny memories now and hilarious memories. You're like, man, remember when I dipped my white hat into a pile of what I thought was water. And then it was just like muddy water, probably mixed with cow pee or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> and then put it on my head to cool down. Remember that, uh, in the moment it sucked, but now it's a hilarious story. So, um, so yeah, I want, I want you guys to be able to experience that or anybody who's interested. Like I said, it might not be you, but maybe you have a cousin, maybe you have a friend, whatever, who's, uh, interested in, in really challenging themselves. And this is something here in the United States. You don't have to travel overseas for a stage race. It's here in the West. Uh, you feel like a cowboy. You feel like Indiana Jones um, as you're going down the trail. Um, and I think you guys really, really, really will enjoy the crew that uh, Reed and Kyla have set this whole thing up with. Um, and so the discount code is WARD, W-A-R-D. Um, and it's if if you go on ultra sign up and type in Deseret's Cocopelli Stage Race, um, and you'll be able to find it. Uh, all right, guys, thank you for listening. If you've listened this far, this is an hour and fifty four minutes, fifty five minutes in. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this was a really long episode. Um, next week we're back to kind of like regularly scheduled programming <laughs> for the show, and uh, yeah, I have some really cool interviews coming up and. Uh, things I'm really excited about and uh, can't wait to share them with you guys. All right. We'll get back at you next week.